Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 14th of June 2009 and the Bible reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29. Here's Brother Pedro Yearwood. It is a tremendous privilege to be able to stand here this morning and to see all of you. And on behalf of my family, I'd like to thank you so much for all that you have done uh, by way of prayers and uh, support and encouragement. And um, you are probably not aware, um, at least not to, uh, not to the fullest extent, the extent to which it's, uh, it is a miracle that I'm here at all. But um, I know that you have been praying. I know others have been praying as well, but uh, I know that you have been praying. And I have had uh, reports back from, uh, from Pastor about uh, your efforts. And if I had uh, all day uh, to thank you, it wouldn't be enough time. So thank you um, with all my heart and on behalf of my family as well for praying for us. Uh, as you can see, I am um, a lot better than I was. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm 100%, but uh, I'm nothing like as bad as I was, thank the Lord. And that is um, directly an answer to prayer. I want to say as well, and uh, I, won't, um, I won't embarrass him, but um, your pastor has been such a friend to me. There were times when uh, he stood between uh, me and... Uh, and a real despair. Uh, he was a friend, and I knew that if a week went by and no one called and no one emailed and no one dropped by, he would. He never failed. And uh, uh, he was always there for, um, uh, to get together with and have a bite to eat, and he always paid, by the way. And, and um, just to know that uh, he was always uh, available I appreciate it so much, and I've told him so many times, and uh, he knows. But thank you, and I pray God would, uh, and I know you will, reward you uh, beyond what you can dream uh, for at this time, for your faithfulness uh, to me, and more so to the Lord. And it is so good to see so many faces and uh, be able to greet so many that, uh, that we do know, and to see so many uh, who are new uh, that are not familiar uh, to us, perhaps, and it's wonderful to, to, see, um, to see you here as well, and to know that you are a part of this uh, particular local church, this particular family. And uh, in many respects, it's like coming home and seeing familiar faces, and um, uh, we thank the Lord. We really do. Some, uh, some people have changed. Um, Brother Peter's got better looking. I, I didn't think it was possible, but he's, he is. And some of, uh, some of the young ones have uh, grown up. These, uh, these young ladies in the back row, there, are, there were girls just a, a year ago, but uh, there are now young ladies, amen. And uh, good-looking young ladies as well, uh, if I do say, say so. Um, so thank the Lord that... Um, He's been faithful and gracious uh, to us all, and it is just 
uh, exceptionally uh, gratifying and encouraging to be able to, to be here. And I thank uh, Pastor again for the opportunity. Have you ever thought to yourself um, what it would be like if the Lord were to invite you uh, to, to question him on anything? Uh, let's say the Lord could veil his glory for a while and allow you into his presence and you could, um, you could ask him anything. Literally, he said, just ask me whatever you like and I will answer you. I'll give you an answer. What, what would be the three or four top questions that you think you would ask the Lord? I think it, it, immediately we think to ourselves, oh, I'd have so many questions. But the, there would probably be three or four that would stand out in your minds, things that you always wanted an answer to and never could get the answer. Uh, from the searching of the scriptures or from prayer, or you just, you, you sought the Lord and you never did get an answer to it. But now here it is, the Lord says, you just, you ask me and I will, I'll give you an answer. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? It really would. Because there's so many questions uh, as, we, as we go through life, there are just so many and the longer you live, the more questions seem to arise. By the way, please pardon my croaky voice. Uh, it comes out whenever there's good weather. Uh, when others rejoice in the uh, good weather, uh, hay fever attacks, and, uh, but I'm not alone, sister. You know, there's just, there are two of us at least, probably more. Um, so do pardon my voice, but what a wonderful thing it would be if, if we could do that. Just sit with the Lord and, and ask him uh, about some of the things that have perhaps troubled us uh, for so long. Questions. There's so many questions in life. In the, uh, in the Old Testament, the scriptures record how that uh, Moses coming on to the end of his uh, leadership of the children of Israel was giving them uh, some final uh, instructions. Much of it was a repetition of what they uh, already had heard. Um, but some of it was new. And also he predicted um, what would befall them in the latter years, namely that they would, uh, they would fall away from trusting in Jehovah uh, to the extent that they would apostatize themselves, uh, become idolatrous, and uh, have to be, uh, come under the judgment of God. Uh, to the extent that they would be taken away from their own land and, and so on. But then the Lord also said that if uh, under those conditions, even under judgment, if they would repent and turn to him again, that he would forgive them and uh, he would restore them. And um, he gives some details and so on. But right in the middle of all of that, the Spirit of God led Moses to say something which seems completely out of context, um, when one considers what went before and what came afterwards. Just one single verse, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 29 and verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. It says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things 
belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The Lord, by way of Moses, drew to the attention of Israel and by extension to our uh, attention as well, the fact that there are some things that God keeps to himself. It is referred to here as secret things. Things that God will not disclose to us, will not discuss with us, they're secret. As I think back over the course of uh, the events recorded in the scriptures, there are so many things uh, that, um, like I said at the beginning, if I could sit with the Lord, I would say, but Lord, why, why, why that? Why did you do that? Why did you allow that? And I'm sure if you can think, of, uh, think back over the course of your life, whether it has been a relatively short life or a long life, that there are, there are things, probably a growing list of things, that you could ask or would like to ask the Lord for a reason uh, for. You'd like to say, Lord, I'm not questioning your wisdom. I'd just like to know why. But here the Lord tells us there are some secret things that he will not disclose to us. It is closed. It is secret. It is for for he himself, and we've just got to leave it there. Job said in Job chapter 9 and verse 10, he says, speaking of the Lord, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Things past finding out. I remember one day I was uh, talking to the Lord on the same subject as I was uh, going about my business and and I said, Lord, I, I wish that you would explain such and such, and such and such, and such and such. And uh, then the thought occurred to me, and it may well have been the Lord directing my mind in that way, simply this, that even if he did explain it to me, I still probably wouldn't understand. You see, we think that we have got an immense capacity to grasp um, things that affect our lives. We feel that we, if only we could be fed the information we need, we could sort it all out. We could make sense of it. But we are very limited, more so than I think we realize. Whereas we deal with an infinite God who is omniscient. And so there are some things which he will keep secret certainly through time, and maybe through eternity. The secret things. Turn with me over into Romans chapter uh, 11 there in your, uh, in your New Testament, please. Romans chapter 11. Look at verse 33. It says, All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things. 
to whom be glory forever. Amen. I consider the fact that um, the one instance in the scriptures where the Lord gives us great detail about someone who, who went through a time where if anyone could question God, it would be him, namely Job. Considering the, the case of this godly man, what strikes me most about it all is the fact that God never explained to him why he had to go through what he did. You read from beginning to end. God never says why. Now at the end, he gets his attention by reminding him of who he is. And Job ends up by saying, I've heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Therefore, I repent uh, in dust and ashes. And Job got his vision corrected. But God never explained why. Now, we have the privilege, uh, because it is recorded in Scripture, of knowing the background to Job's afflictions. But even then, we don't know why God chose him. Well, why not the other fellow down the road? Why Job? And why those things in that order, to that extent? Why God does not give Job or us an answer? You see, the secret things belong unto the Lord. They're his things. They're not for us. And there are two ways that we can deal with that. Accept it or rebel against it. There is no third way. We either accept that he is God and therefore has the right to withhold certain information from us and that he has the right to do in our lives what he sees fit and never explain why. Or the other alternative is to rebel against what he does and fight him all the way. Now, if you by now do not know from your walk with the Lord that that is futile, you will soon find out. It uh, doesn't get us very far. I'm glad that the Lord is long-suffering and that he does not respond to us uh, in the way that we would respond to each other or even to ourselves. He is a God of immense, unmeasurable mercy and grace and long-suffering And you and I have just simply got to accept that there are some things that we will never have an answer to in this life and perhaps for all eternity. But that is only part of the verse. Look back again in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. What else does the verse say? It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. There are some secret things, but there are also some things that God has revealed. The things that have been revealed are things that we need to grasp and lay a hold of and never let go of. God revealed them to us for a reason, and it is so that we may know. And it doesn't matter what aspect of our lives or what circumstances we may come up with. The Lord has given us enough information, enough revelation. 
hearing his word to deal with it. Enough for us to live godly lives before him. God wants us to know some things beyond any doubt. There are some things he will never discuss with us. He will never reveal to us. But there are some things that God wants you and me to know. One of them, chief of all, is that he loves you. Few things have been cheapened more in recent times by people who do not know the scriptures and perhaps even do not know the Lord than this business of the love of God. It has been used as a cover for all sorts of sin and lasciviousness. Oh, God loves you, so do whatever you want. Wrong. That is not scripture. That is not from God, and it has nothing to do with God. That is a human invention to cover our sinfulness uh, and uh, to give ourselves some sort of a uh, um, some sort of a backing, so that we our consciences can be solved and we can get on with it. But the scriptures make it clear right from the very beginning that God is love. Have you ever wondered why when God made um, Adam and Eve, why he didn't make them on day one? He said, oh, that's easy because there was nothing there. I mean, they they didn't have the earth to live on and didn't have all the vegetation and the animals. There was nothing, you know, so he waited till the end. But no, think about it. God is God. He could have made Adam and just... I made it possible, put him in some sort of a bubble, I made it possible for him to just survive and live once he did the other acts of creation over days one, two, three, four, five, six. He could have done that. No problem. God can do anything. I believe the Lord, perhaps one of the reasons why the Lord delayed the arrival of his special creation, Adam and Eve, until uh, the very end. I think that was because he wanted that when Adam opened his eyes for the very first time and looked around, he could not help but think, God loves me. It was an absolutely perfect environment. Everything was perfect. Now listen, it wasn't just good. God said it was very good. Now you can't get better than very good coming from the mouth of God. He said it was very good. And that's what Adam saw when he opened his eyes. All things very good. And he, I am sure, from the very first instant of his uh, life, recognized that the one who made him loved him. And all the way through Bible history, whether you look at the flood or the creation of the nation of Israel, or uh, how God protected that nation and preserved them from being uh, dissolved, such that whereas the Philistines are gone, and the Amalekites are gone, and etc., etc., all that they're all gone, or have been merged into other peoples, Israel is still a distinct nation today. You can get on a plane and go visit them. They're there. The descendants of Abraham are still there, much to the grief of Satan and the enemies of God. God preserved them 
And through them, Messiah came. And then you look at church history. And as you look from, uh, from Eden all the way through to this day, you cannot mistake the love of God. God loves you. And that is the basis of all that you will learn and do and be as a child of God. You see, if you do not grasp the extent to which God loves you, then you will always struggle to trust him. Why trust someone that you do not love? Think about it. The only reason we trust God is because we love God, because we know who he is. His character is trustworthy. He's demonstrated that. Chief of all at Calvary. And because we know that he loves us, we know that we can trust him with our eternal life and with all the details of our mortal lives all the way home. God wants us to know that he loves us. But God also wants us to know, see, these are the revealed things. God wants us to know about the problem of sin, which is why he had it recorded in the scriptures how sin began and the effects of sin. And of course, now we live in a day and in a society that is so uh, laden with sin that it is literally falling apart before our eyes. And there is nothing that any government or anyone can do to stop it. The only uh, solution, the only cure is salvation. And it is that one thing that mankind rejects. If you still got your place there in Romans... Uh, look at uh, chapter 8 and verse 22. The scripture says, For we know, this is see, one of the revealed things, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. All of creation is groaning and travailing, creaking under the weight of sin. But thank God the Lord did not leave us in that state. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1, the, uh, the prophet begins with a question. He says, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord, there's that word again, revealed? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, the Lord gives us the answer. Again, in the book of Romans, and in the very first chapter, and verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God, what's that next word? Revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18, we just saw in verse 17, the righteousness of God revealed. But now look at verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God, in other words, that which is revealed, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him 
from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up onto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now that is the state of mankind with relation to sin. It started in Eden, and it has grown exponentially across the the years to the point where we are at now. God wants us to know how serious sin is. And this morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, the most serious thing that you need to deal with right now is sin. You see, the Word of God tells us that if you, at this point, have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, the wrath of God abides on you. Now, God offers you His love. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world, that includes you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the offer of rescue is there. It's an offer of love. But the choice is yours. And I hope that if this morning you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, that you recognize the seriousness of sin. And that sooner or later, and trust me, it will be sooner rather than later. It's always sooner rather than later. You will stand before God and give an account. Time goes quickly. And even if you are young, very young right now, it won't be long 
before time slips over into eternity and you stand before the judge, the very one who loved you and gave himself for you, and you will have to give a reason for the rejection of his love as demonstrated at Calvary. But if this morning you think to yourself, well, I see that I am in danger, I am in trouble. The scriptures say that if you would place your faith in that very Savior and understand that when he died on Calvary's cross, the blood that was shed there, his blood, was shed for you. That God the Father uh, deemed that that was the only means of the cancellation of your sin. And if you would put your trust in what he did there for you on Calvary's cross with a repentant heart, the instant you do that, you become a child of God. The scriptures say that God transferred your sin onto the Savior that day on Calvary's cross. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And if you're willing to trust him as your own Savior, the instant you do so, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. You become a child of God there and then and forever. Now, God wants you to know how serious sin is and that sin has to be judged and that you will either accept the forgiveness that God offered on Calvary's cross where the Savior Face the judgment of God for you. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that God the Father smote him there for you and for me. You'll either accept that and face him one day as your savior or you will reject it. Even if you reject it by way of procrastination, you will either accept it or you will reject it and face him one day as your judge. It's guaranteed. It's coming. The choice is yours. I hope you can see that the only rational, sensible thing to do is to put your trust in the Savior and do it now. You don't have a guarantee of this afternoon, friend. Do it now. God wants us to know his love. He wants us to know the seriousness of sin. And uh, if we had time, we could go on and on and on because the Bible tells us uh, about so many areas and aspects of our lives where God tells us what we need to know with regard to uh, the proof of salvation, after you've trusted Christ as Savior, you know what the Bible says? God doesn't leave you in doubt. In 1 John 3, verse 24, it says, And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The instant you trust Christ as Savior, God himself comes and dwells in you by his Spirit, sealing you and making you his. And from that moment on, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And you can't do what you want because the Spirit of God will make it clear what he wants done. That is a sure proof of salvation. Now, if you, can, if you profess to be saved and you can do whatever you want and there is no uh, let or hindrance on the part of the Spirit of God, I would be worried if I were you. But if you have trusted Christ as your Savior truly, then the Spirit of God who dwells in you will rebuke you if you sin. He'll encourage you. He'll uphold you. He'll, he'll illuminate you as uh, your mind as you read his word and so on. A true proof, one of the proofs of your salvation. 
God wants you to know that. He wants you to know that you are his. You don't have to hope so or guess so. And well, I'll wait. When I get to the pearly gates, I'll see what Peter says. That's rubbish. That ye may know, the scripture says. God wants us to know as well that the circumstances of our lives as we live for him between here and getting home are all directed by his hand. In the very same book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, I'm sure you can quote it by heart. It says, for we know. See, these are the things that are revealed. There are some things that are secret that God will not disclose to us. But the things that are revealed, he says, are for us and for our children. And uh, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them uh, that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What about prayer? Does God want us to have any confidence when we pray? Almost certainly. The Lord tells us in John 5 and verse 35, uh, and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. The fact that I'm standing here this morning is proof of that. You proved it. When you pray according to God's will, God hears and he says, now you can know that I will give you the petition that you desire of me. Now, he doesn't always give it to us in the way at the time that we want, but he does it every time. He cannot fail because he promised. God that cannot lie promised. What about our old bodies? A couple of us are struggling with hay fever this morning, two or three of us at least. Maybe you're struggling with some other things. What about this old body? You get up in the morning and it creaks, some of us. And you think, oh, dear Lord, what is the future of these bodies? You know, the Lord wants us to know about that as well. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, it says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So one of, one of these days, this is going to uh, come to an end, whether by way of the rapture or by way of death. doesn't matter. Either way would suit me. One of these days, this old body will cease to be as it is, cursed with sin as it is. And uh, I will have a brand new body, and so will you. A body that can function uh, in the glorious life that God has ahead of us uh, when we get home. What about the times in which we live? God wants us to know something about that as well. Now, we live in perilous times. Even lost people would tell you that. When the mother of all parliaments begins to fall apart, few people begin to wonder, if, I mean, most people begin to wonder if there's, if there's any hope in anything that we can do. Uh, when the new priests of our day, scientists, th those are the new priests, by the way, the people who intercede between us and the truth, all right? When, when the new priests change their minds every other week and contradict each other, mind you, the BBC will never tell you that. I mean, what hope have you got? Amen. The answer is none. Uh, you're foolish if you put your trust. Amen. Now, there are some good, honest people who are working hard for us in Parliament and uh, in fields of science and commerce and whatnot. And um, may God help them. But if we put our trust in men, we are asking for, for trouble. We live in, in, in perilous times, in uncertain and unstable times. But God wants us to know something. 
In 1 John 2 and verse 28, it says, little children, it is the last time. <laughs> In other words, these are the last days. It is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. The evidence that we are in what my mother used to call the very toenails of time is the fact that there are so many people, so many movements around who are trying to replace the Savior uh, and providing instead a false hope, a false gospel, another gospel, thereby deceiving many. God wants us to know the times in which we live. I sincerely believe that there is nothing that stands between us and the catching away of the church. I sincerely believe it. And that this very day could be the last time that this local church ever meets. If it were so, then I'd be glad that I was here for the last time. I timed it well, didn't I? But I believe that nothing stands between us and the catching away of the church. It could be today. Do you know most believers don't believe that? That's a fact. Most believers do not, in reality, now I say in reality, uh, they point to it in the scripture, sure. But in reality, most of us do not believe that. You say, how do you know? Look at the way we live. See, if we believe that, we live accordingly. See, seeing the Bible says, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, Peter says, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? But God wants us to know that we are in the last times, the last times. And therefore, we need to take note and to live accordingly. Those things that are revealed, Moses said, are for us and for our children. And notice, well, he says, for us and for our children. Do you know why there are so few young people in Bible-believing churches nowadays? Because the last generation, the one before that, did not pass on those things that were revealed. Now, I don't say that to point fingers at anybody, because I don't think I've done a particularly good job either. But... The scriptures tell us that the things that are revealed are for us and for our children. If you are a parent or even a grandparent, you have got an incredible responsibility because there has never been a generation that has had to face or that will have to face the things that these youngsters you see sitting here are going to have to uh, encounter in just a few years' time. They are going to face things that you and I wouldn't even have dreamt about. But it's coming, and they need to be able to stand when the evil day comes. They need to be like David when he stood before Goliath. He was ready. Uh, he didn't stand in front of that giant and say, now, Lord, what do I do? Uh, how, how do I trust you? No, he was ready, which is why God could put him there, you see. In Psalm 78, we read this, give ear, O my people, verse 1, to my law. Notice, give ear to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. 
which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Now, listen carefully to these next few words. That the generation to come might know. Do you know what happened a couple of generations back? They did not get the opportunity to know. And because they did not know, they formed their own opinions apart from the word of God. And there is great weakness now in our churches. And uh, there is great deception. And people are easily drawn away and pulled hither and thither and tossed to and fro with every, every, with every wind of doctrine and all the sleight of hand that's going on that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the words of God, but keep his commandments. Moses says the things that are revealed are for us and for our children. He said, brother, is it too late? Never. It is never too late. Thank God. It is never too late for us to set a godly example to our children. It is never too late for us to do what we can to influence their thinking uh, towards the word of God. It is never too late to pray. Never. For us and for our children, but to what end? That we may do all the words of this law. What is it that God wants you and I to do? What does he want you and me to do? He wants us to do his word. Is that all? That's all. That's enough. He simply wants us to obey his word. The scriptures tell us that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That's in... uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now this morning, um, you, you alone know the questions that you would dearly love to ask God. Some things that really would... It would thrill your heart to get the answers to. But there are some things that God will not disclose to us. They're the secret things. But the things that are revealed are for us and for our children. That we may do all the law, all of God's word. That we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now this morning, I pray that... um, the Lord would help us to have the confidence in him just to leave some things alone. Some things that we cannot understand. Some things that uh, we just can't seem to get answers to. Pray God would give us the confidence just to leave those things alone. And get on and deal with the things that are revealed. Leave the secret things with the Lord. 
If he wants you to know something, trust me, beloved, he'll tell you. He will make it abundantly clear. Fair enough. But the things that are revealed, clearly revealed, are the things God wants you and me to be getting on and dealing with. Are there some things that God has revealed to you that you have not dealt with? That perhaps have been they've fallen by the by the by, by the wayside, and uh, you've just just never got around to dealing with. You didn't mean to to leave it on the wayside. It just sort of happened. Well, today is a, a good day. In fact, today is the right day to go back and deal with that thing that God has revealed, the thing that is clear, the thing that God makes abundantly obvious in his word. And it may be that there are some things that have troubled you about your own life or about the lives of others that you just have never got an answer to from God. You've pleaded with him and begged him and God just never gave you an answer. Beloved, would you, would you today be willing to trust God enough to leave it with him? Just, just leave it and trust that he loves you so much that he would never, ever allow anything into your life but that which is for your good now and for eternity. 